Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. It's December and we are winding down 2023 with two of the best episodes of the year. In a couple weeks, we'll have the best of 2023 episode, which it looks at all the download numbers for the episodes throughout the year to find out what the favorites have been, what all of you have loved. And I love this episode because it gives me a lot of great information, but it also gives the listeners, it gives you guys a quick peek at five really excellent episodes, the favorites, with a small quip from each show. So if you missed any of them, you can go back and listen to these top shows. And then today, our final interview for the year is with Courtney McDermott. I'll tell you why I think this is going to be one of the best episodes of the year. On the Love Your Story podcast, we are all about living into our best lives. We are all about intention and responsibility. We are all about gaining a greater understanding of universal laws and how they work so that we can work with more faith and more allowance and intention to create what we want. Well, I have been in this place lately where I've been trying to figure out how quantum physics works. With the power of quantum physics and the power of our minds, you know, how do we manifest bigger ways? How do we get rid of the mental corrals that we have put ourselves in? And how do we think beyond what we're used to thinking? And and this is me. How do I think beyond what I'm used to? And then guess what shows up? This woman, Courtney McDermott, and her book, Give Yourself Permission. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great talk with her. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. admit, as I read the book, I really dreaded trying to write up my notes for the interview because there are so many things I want to talk to her about. So much I'd love to get Courtney's perspective on. So it's going to be a value-packed show. Courtney McDermott is an award-winning author. She is a TEDx speaker and a mind-body expert who helps the world's leading organizations and creative to disrupt old patterns of behavior. I think that's really interesting, the disrupting the old patterns of behavior. We'll talk about that. She helps them to grow healthy businesses, how to apply physiology and psychology needed for that success. She has been featured in Inc. Magazine, Women's Health, Success, The Huffington Post, Fox News, and a lot of mainstream business and lifestyle media. She was an executive with Vanity Fair Corporation, and I could go on and on, but I really want to talk to her. So we're just going to jump in. Courtney, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation. I want to learn from you. So first, who are you? What's your story? And your introduction in the book, you say that years ago, you started having experiences you couldn't explain, like you lost a lot of weight overnight. And another time you were transported out of the constraints of time and space. What? 
Who are you? Why did things happen to you? And what was that like? Anyway, go ahead and let's start with one question at a time. Um, what's your story? Where you come from? Where Where does this build from? Yeah, well, actually, that intro is is pretty shocking. And I wrote it at the very end. I had already written the whole book. And then I was thinking, okay, I got to spill the beans on some of the stuff that's happened to me and that I've witnessed happen also with my clients. And I've seen even just some of these spontaneous transformations and awakenings, I would say, uh, in this work. And so it was a little scary to write some of that stuff, especially because I work a lot you know, in corporate. I work with these executives. So there were some things that I was like, oh, am I going to tell this story? I think I was born in an existential crisis. Mm. Like I was an existential crisis. I mean, I, my existence did not make sense right from a very young age. And I, I really uh, struggled. Like I struggled. I, I remember just staring out the window. I wrote just a little bit in a book, um, you know, when I was a little kid, I would just be like, so I was so melancholic. I was so sad. I was so just disturbed by the state of things. I was go- I was born in, in a family of five kids, right? Uh, all born within under seven years. And so we were, if you would look at a picture of us as we were growing up, we were like a staircase and I was second to last. And I remember distinctly remember like, well, feeling like just, I wasn't okay from actually a really early age, like or in the world wasn't okay. Like things were not okay. Things needed to be like (laughs) changed or something. I just felt like I could feel so much um, I just could feel so much. I could always feel so much. And it was, and when I was younger, it was really hard to understand what to do with that. And it wasn't just feeling, it was like other things that would almost seem like, I don't know what to call them, but these things that weren't happening to other people, like I would, I don't know, see lights everywhere, but nothing was wrong with my vision. You know, it was just things like that. So, and as I got older, I started to see the ways that those things helped me, but also the ways those things made it really difficult to operate in a society that says you should be this, you know? So I feel like actually it was really, um, if I look back, it was so funny the, the way I was sort of pushing without realizing to bloom into what I really cared about, which was human potential, which is you know, who are we? What are we? What, you know, what is this? What are we doing here? You know, so um, I was always interested as like a side thing that I, you know, was always investigating in that. But uh, as I went through my career and started changing, noticing, oh, well, if I do this thing, then I can get here over here. It was like chess, you know, and getting really adept at it, but then realizing man, I don't, I don't think I even want to be on this board. You know, I don't, I don't really want to participate. I kind of want to figure out what it's like. You know, there's a great story. I don't know if you're familiar with this because I think it's even out of print. It's called Hope for the Flowers. Have you heard of it? Ella. It's a, it's a kid's story. So I got this book years ago. Actually, my mother gave me this book years ago and it uh, tells the story of these caterpillars that are all aggressively climbing these caterpillar pillars. But they don't know, you know, you don't, you're on your pillar. You don't know that there's all these other pillars, right? So it's just, they're, they've got to get to the top. And there are these two caterpillars, one's stripe and one's yellow. And those are their names, but also what they look like. And they're climbing up and they, stripe steps on yellow and yellow gets really hurt. And stripe feels bad about that. And they make their way down and they're frolicking out in, you know, nature and they're having a great time. But stripe is just really, really kind of anxious and feels like he has to get back to the caterpillar pillar. You know, he needs to know what's at the top. And Yellow decides to stay. She decides to stay and 
be free. And so as Stripe is climbing back up, climbing back up this time, he's not looking at anybody. If he steps on somebody, he doesn't care. You know, he's got to get to the top. And then he looks, you know, there's all this stuff that happens on the way. But as he gets to the top, he's like, oh, it's just a bunch of caterpillar pillars everywhere. And there's no sense. And but he does also see this beautiful yellow butterfly and something in him, instead of being one of the ones that gets kicked off the top to die, decides, oh, no, I'm going to go back down. And I don't know what I'm going into, but I'm going to go back down. And so he goes back down and he eventually finds his way to, you know, a tree where he forms a chrysalis where he, you know, then gets reborn into a butterfly. And so I think for me, lots of times in my life, it was like, oh man, I have no idea what's out there, but I'm just going to go, I'm going rogue. You know, I'm just going to trust and I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out some way to come hell or high water. And I think my whole life, it's been like, you know, kind of figured out, but before it was kind of an aggressive figuring out. And now it's like, oh, I'm just going to relax into this is the truth that is just coming through more and more through this form. So... I feel like that story really encapsulates what you have been trying to explain your path was. That's fascinating that that Mm. child's story really just is another way of seeing what you just said. That's very cool. Mm. Okay, so here we are and you are ongoing existential crisis throughout your life, comparing what's going on with you professionally as to how fulfilled you feel things are like, do you feel like you've got it figured out? And we'll get into talking about what those things are. Or do you feel like you're still on that path of piecing things together? Mm-hmm. I, it's funny, I have many sort of spontaneous awakenings in the sense of like realizing how kind of absurd a lot of the whole human dilemma is. <laughs> sure. And, uh, and so in those moments, I'm like, Eureka, right? And then but then there are these definitely other, you know, places where I realize, wow, okay, it was there, you know, it was like, I, I remembered and then, well, I'm sort of back in the forgetting over here again. So I wouldn't say, oh, I've arrived and I'm this, you know, perfectly. And I actually, that would maybe even be a little boring. <laughs> um, it's more um, a commitment, I would say even a devotion at this point to saying like, my sense of uh, attraction, my sense of being comes from that, from that source, however you want to call that kind of that intelligence, right? And I talk about this quite a bit, actually, because I think it's really funny that we really we rely on that intelligence for everything. But there are parts of our lives where we say we can't do that. Right. So we're relying on this. Again, I'll call it intelligence for source energy, however, however anyone feels comfortable calling it God. Um, we rely on it for pretty much everything. Right. So, for example, you know, you know that, well, you may not even be thinking about it, but like the trillions of biochemical reactions occurring in our bodies every second. Right. They're going to continue to do what they need to do. They're going to continue to coordinate one with the other and our heart's going to continue to beat. We're not actively trying to control or manipulate any of that, right? And just like we're not trying to control what's happening internally, we're not trying to control what's happening externally, right? I mean, we don't go to bed at night and say, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Is it not going to come up? Is it going to come up? You know, we don't create a five-year plan for the rotation of the planets or anything like that. We just trust in this intelligence that is governing all of that. And we say, you've got it, you know, (laughs) but then there's this infinitesimal part of our lives where we do try to do that. And so we say, 
I need a plan for this, or I need to figure this out, or I need to do X, Y, Z, right, in order to get over here or something. And it's really becoming increasingly kind of humorous to me, the ways that I still maybe might do that in certain areas of my life where it's like, just relax, just relax. Like there's no other technique. It's like, relax and trust. And then of course, you're going to do things, but those things become more and more intrinsically motivated. Like most of what I do now is almost all of what I do now is intrinsically motivated. It's not like, oh, I I have to get this thing over here or prove this thing. And I feel at this point, really fortunate that that vein of needing to show needing to and I think this did come from growing up in that family of five kids and kind of like, hey, look at me, look at me, right? But that vein of of just needing to be seen, which is this fundamental human need that we all do have. But luckily, that's gotten softer and softer to a point where it's like, I feel like that's hardly present at all in my work. And it's, I would say, actually, at this point, I don't feel it at all in my work. Like even when I get up on a stage or something, it's like I hand it over to that intelligence, right? So it's like, oh, I've done all this. I've been preparing my whole life, but I'm going to come up here and let this intelligence sort of use me. And then, but then there are definitely parts of my personal life to go back to your question where it's like, I haven't been fully able to extend that same trust, even though I know it and I get it cognitively, you know, the cognitive understanding is there, but the experiential knowing is coming in glimpses. And I don't always feel like, oh, it's there. So I pray a lot for that. What I don't understand with this relax and just be there is I'm a very type A personality. And if I relax and don't do anything, literally nothing happens. Like this idea of we just sit here. To me, that seems like the ultimate offense. Like we are given time and we are given agency and we are given power and we have the opportunity to choose into action, to create things, to go after something. And oftentimes that takes like focus and drive and real intent that without without the goal, without the I I want this end result, without the massive effort sometimes, that's gonna happen. If I just sit here and flow <laughs> then then you know what I'm binge watching Netflix or like you know what I mean? Oh my I, girl. I, I do hear, not yeah. understand. Yes, how I'm to actually so, implement that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you asked for this clarification because, like, I hear you. I hear you, sister. I mean, I am not type. A. I'm like I'm triple A. So, and you sound like you are as well. And here's what I mean when I talk about relaxing. This clarification is super important. It's so great that you brought this up. What I mean is, you do what you can do. You give all of yourself. And then you hand the rest over. Well, there's two things I mean. I mean, I gave it all today. I showed up for all the things that were in front of me, whatever those things are, right? And having that like inherent excitement and curiosity about whatever that is. Okay. So that's the first kind of part of relaxing. But the second thing is when we relax like that, okay, when we relax the way I'm talking about, I'm just saying, I am going to. So if we're in hyperdrive, right? Say, for instance, most people are going around in beta, high beta, when we talk about brainwave frequencies. And so it's pedal to the metal. You know, one of the best ways I've ever heard it described is like having a four gear race car and going around in first gear, right? So when the doing feels exhausting, something's off. The doing is actually, there will be a lot that happens through your form. But as I said earlier, it's intrinsically motivated. It is motivated by an evolutionary impulse, 
right? So when I listen to your podcast, for example, it's a great podcast. I feel like there's a lot of intrinsic motivation. There's a lot of, it's an evolutionary thing. It's not just, oh, hey, I you know want everybody to get over here and look at what I'm doing and this shiny thing, right? It's, it's, it's the intrinsic motivation, I think is very healthy. So this is the thing that we're led to believe in our society that if we don't have this thing called ambition, if we don't have the drive, if we don't hustle, if we don't whatever, then we don't count. You know, we don't, we don't really, we're not contributing. We don't matter, you know, whatever that, whatever that looks like. But what oftentimes we fail to see is that ambition just by itself will blind you. You know, if it's just, I've got to get somewhere, you know, I've got to perform, which a lot of us were raised with a very strong performance mentality. You know, it's like, I've got to get this right. I've got to ace it, you know, instead of just saying, oh, wow, I'm, intrinsically very curious about this. Like, for example, you can tell when someone talks to you, Lori, that you have a very beautiful curiosity about these stories, about what, 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 how did this happen, right? That is what I'm talking about. So that kind of thing, that is what will inspire action that, yes, sometimes may even feel effortful, might feel, you know, there is some, I gotta, I gotta get this thing out there. But there's a different sense of why you're doing it, the reward. But it's this idea that an archer, right, who shoots with just all their passion and joy of archery will hit the target every time, you know, a great archer, right? But the minute you put a prize, like uh, in, it was a long time ago, so they talked about a brass buckle, you know, or I don't know, some other thing that today wouldn't make sense. But it's like, as soon as you put that, the archer starts, the aim starts to go off. And then once it's kind of the biggest prize, it's like the archer goes blind, right? He just can't even see the target anymore because he's so consumed with the prize, right? This supposed prize. But when you actually sit back and realize, well, I am already all of that. And this is a beautiful expression that I'm allowing to, to, you know, that I'm inviting through this form and I'm using this form to express in these ways, that's when you shoot with all your skill. That's when you hit the target, you know, that's when you're not missing the mark anymore. So does that clarify what I mean by that relaxed sort of stepping into? What I hear you saying then is that through life for all of us, there's going to be things that we are in, intrinsically drawn to, that those are the paths to follow. We follow that intrinsic curiosity and show up, show up to the things, but allow for the flow of the unfolding. Right. Which anyway, we have to do, right? I mean, you and I could have started this podcast and something really weird could have happened. I, I don't know, whatever it is, like the lights go out, the electricity go, you, we don't know, right? So we, we do, we, we, we want to plan a little bit, but we don't have, there's nothing, nothing certain, right? And I think also that's something that really helps us relax is like, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow. Just what do you actually, what's actually calling to be expressed through you and how can it help the people around you? So what if, what if nothing shows up though? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like, and this is maybe this sounds like a personal therapy session, but (laughs) with me, (laughs) I I believe in God and I talk to him all the time and, you know, I need help with this. I need clarification here, you know, broaden my view here with, you know, with the ideas, hook me into the flow, like, where does this need to go now? But I don't feel like I really get very much guidance, which then leads me to the point of, 
am I just supposed to figure this out on my own, which then comes in conflict with what we were just talking about with me doing the push versus the flow. Mm. I genuinely feel like if I don't make things happen, things don't happen. And mm. and there's these concepts of, you know, God has greater things planned for you than you could ever come up with on your own. No, not so far. <laughs> Do you, do you know what I mean? I like, love you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to comprehend and understand this, but in my own personal experience, it's very much you either do or you don't do. You either contribute or you don't contribute. You either develop yourself or this might be overly judgmental. And I don't know that it is or not. But if you just become a TV watcher or a video game player and that, you know, you t- you choose to spend your time on Earth on things that help you to numb out rather than creation. To me, I pass the judgment that one is better than the other, that we're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing and evolving and understanding things better. And yet it's not easy like that. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't just come to me. It sounds like it comes to you. How did you get it to come to you? Like, why did these, let's go back to the two things I talked in the beginning, this losing a lot of weight overnight, like that's not heard of. Did you want to lose a lot of weight? Like what what was that experience? Why did that happen to you? Yeah, let's come to that. But let's come first. We'll get to that. Let's let, I want to dissect momentarily the beginning of your question because lots of times when we're not hearing or we're not receiving that guidance, at least for me in my life, what I noticed was I wasn't creating the space for it. Like I wasn't creating as much space as it needed at that point because there was so much noise. In How do you create psyche. the space? How do you create space? Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about that first because if we don't have that space, well, then anything else kind of, it's it's sort of like it rests on this foundation or it doesn't. So for me personally, I remember being in different phases of my life where I was doing what I call in my first book, I refer to it as filling. So I don't have to feel. So I would fill up on a lot of different things. Could have been food. It could have been uh, wine. I mean, I do live in Italy for crying out loud, right? It's like, you know, (laughs) was work was a huge one, right? Work was a huge one. And it was just fill, 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 fill. So I actually don't have to face what is actually what's happening inside me. Okay. And there are socially acceptable ways to fill like work tends to be one of them because we Mm -hmm. say good job. Unless you're a woman in Italy, that was a little challenging, I have to admit, but there are those socially acceptable ones. And then there are the not socially acceptable ones, like, you know, for instance, excessive drinking or anything like that. Right. Um, But we all tend to do this, right? And even if you look at things like social media or whatever, it's a great example most of the time of filling so we don't have to feel. It's like, let me just scroll. And then all of a sudden you feel pretty yucky. And you'll notice, I mean, people will notice, anyone who's listening, those times when you did that because you weren't listening and it doesn't feel good. When we're not listening, it doesn't feel good. Uh, There's a great... One of my favorite quotes of all time is from the mathematician... Pascal, he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because he was talking about, he said men, but all of our problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, I'm not suggesting that we need to be in meditation all day long or go into a cave in the Himalaya. What I am suggesting is creating a lot more space for this intelligence to give us the signals. Let me give you a very specific example of the difference in my life and how this operates. So when I was 
writing, for example, my first book, or even in that you know time of my life when I would prepare speeches and stuff, I would feel like, okay, I got to be at my computer pretty much all day long. I've got to get this done. I've got to get it out there. I've got to, you know, whatever. And as I have grown in these ways that I talk about in the book and that I'm sharing here a little bit now with you, what I do now, it's so funny because actually I never would have thought this was possible for me ever. I will literally, when I get a question, like for example, I'll get press questions come in or something. And rather than sitting at my computer trying to find the best way to whatever, say that thing, I literally take the question, I go lay down. I do this client summaries too. I do it with a lot of my writing at this point is in its simplest terms, I just lay down and I, and I relax. Okay. And we can talk, I, I would like to, if we have time to go into the frequencies and how you're adjusting those when you do this. So when I do that, I literally get these perfectly formed answers and I dictate them into my phone. I'm telling you, or I never would have thought this was possible for me ever in a million years. I thought I got to sit and grind it out and make it happen. Exactly what you're talking about. Very type A, like gotta get this stuff out there. When I do that, what happens is I just get the information now. The more we relax into it and we trust it, the more it starts to kind of take over. And the only thing I can... Well, not the only thing, but the main thing I would say is we got to give it more space. We got. We do have to go... But that could be out in the woods without any phone, without listening to anything. It's like, I'm just going to go for a walk right now and I'm actually going to leave all my devices at home. And that could sound scary for some people. Or I'm going to wake up in the morning and instead of turning my phone on first thing, I'm actually going to just sit for five minutes. And you mentioned early in the conversation that you always, from the time you were small, had really been empathic and, you know, and Mm -hmm. in tune with these kinds of things. Do you think that you have maybe a more open channel to this than most people? Do you feel like some of us are very earthbound and some of us more spirit bound. I mean, what's the, like, that's super cool. I'm envious that you can get that kind of download, but I know that I don't, even when I meditate, which yes, I can do better for sure. <laughs> and I will work on that. But, you know, do you, I think different people have different abilities. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, oh my gosh, you're, this is amazing because everything, I feel like we're opening up all these boxes and they're so great. And I, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things we could cover in this one topic. But I think we're all born. I really, truly, when you watch little kids, I think we're born with this natural kind of openness and curiosity. And if you read some of, I mean, I don't know, just recently, someone gave me this book. It was a Wayne Dyer and another woman. I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting her name, but I haven't actually really dug into it yet. But it's like all these stories of little kids um, talking about these experiences of knowing this intelligence that I'm talking about, right? It's like, hundreds of documented cases of these little kids coming out with these stories. I don't actually think that in me that there's something that's not in... I mean, of course, they're in all of us, right? We have our own gifts and our own and our own things that we're bringing out. But I think it's more that I believe that we all have it, but we forget it, right? And we're actually kind of trained out of this remembrance that I'm talking about. And this remembrance actually goes and extends into places that we can't even imagine because there are so many potentials, potentially infinite potentials, <laughs> no pun intended, but like there, you know, there's all one of the ways I describe it. And this goes in a little bit to answer the weight question as well Is like, you have this huge library. Imagine that you have this huge library. It's 
like full, 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 stock full of all these different adventures and stories. And you go in and every single day, you kind of take out the same book, right? And it's like, this is my book. This is my name. This is what I do. This is where I live. This is who I am. This is how I do it. This is what, you know, all these things. And it's the book. It's your book. And you present it to other people. You're like, this is my book. This is who I am. And whereas you could be taking out all these other books in the library and you could be really kind of opening yourself up to all these other potentials, it's like, mm, 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 mm. I got to be careful because <laughs> if I get outside of this, then I'm you know, not really that safe. And I think one of the things that it was not always present in me, but it's hyper present now is like, I want to challenge that. You know, I want to challenge anytime I'm like, oh, I'm this way or I'm that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where is that coming from? Because we do have all of these, all these potentials available to us. But um, I don't know where to take it now because I could take it into the relaxing <laughs> and into the frequencies. We, you know, we could talk a little more because here we were even going a little bit into epigenetics and how to start signaling your genes differently. And that could go in the way thing. I don't know. I know. To I told you there's so, so much. Well, you said at one point you literally felt the cells of your body and mind reorganizing into a new pattern of consciousness. Mm -hmm. What was the old pattern and what was the new pattern and what was that like? And does that have something to do with what we're talking about now? Mm. Well, it's funny. I had a very wild experience. I've actually only talked about it publicly one other time where I was in a... um, I'll say an awakened state of consciousness for two days. How did you get there? (laughs) Yeah, that's the the question. So I tried to deconstruct that a little bit as well in my book to show to the best of my ability to say like, I think this is what happened. And again, I come back to that relaxation thing. So sorry to keep tripping on that, but it's so hard. It's the hardest thing to hear. It's the thing that we can't hear because we're like, no, because if I relax, then the whole world's going to come crumbling down. Like if I relax, my heart's going to stop beating. Right. Um, And so anyway, the best I can come at it is to tell you this, because I think it's really important for high achievers and people who are like you and and I as well, this type A sort of, you know, got to get there. I, there was a lot of efforting involved. I really cared about it. I really, really wanted to have glimpses and understandings of what we really are. And I wanted to see if I could get there through means that were predominantly, I would say actually entirely almost study. So I did, I really dug into neuros as best as I could, right? I mean, it's still at a very amateur level, but neuroscience, epigenetics, uh, you brought up quantum physics, you know, obviously quantum theory. Um, like I was obsessed with this idea of the wave of coal. You know, I still talk about it a lot in my, in, in when I give talks around the world, because I think it's such a, and, and actually what I was noticing about these fields is that there were these common denominators. Like for me, the wavicle also explains what in neuroscience is the reticular activating system in our brain, like what's actually searching for the answers to what we're looking for all the time. You know, there were all of these, I could see these threads as I was going through, you know, from an analytical perspective. So I was really putting a lot of effort and I was meditating. I mean, I'll be honest, I was really like kicking it back with meditation um, because I was like, I got to get there. And what I didn't realize was... (laughs) I was there, right? We are there when we actually just relax into it. So what happened was after all that efforting, I actually kind of gave up. And I think that's crucial. I think they're both crucial. 
And at least what I see also from huge discoveries, if we look at huge scientific discoveries, like they came on the tails of massive effort followed by relaxation. And I have to say, in my case, it wasn't just relaxation. I almost got a little flippant and like very silly, very goofy. I was like, and I'm not naturally a very goofy person, but I got super goofy. I'm like, whatever, whatever, God, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. I tried all and I talked to God a lot too. So it was like, I tried all that. Didn't work. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm off, you know, and I, I also had this side dream of like becoming a stand-up comedian. Um, but anyway, so I was like having this whole little comedy skit in my head about it, but really kind of um, just in playful relaxation. And then boom, my consciousness opened up to all of this. And I, I didn't, I shared actually, there's a whole section of the book in the middle of the book where I share the writings from that, which were also the first time I ever had in my life a download of, um, of just pure, just coming from pure consciousness, pure awareness for the formless using this form. And I I didn't include the entire writing in the book, but most of it and the experiences that I was experiencing. And after two days of that, um, and I was with, I was actually staying with a friend in London at the time. And after two days, I was like, there was a part of me, part of my awareness that was saying, if you don't come back, you're not ever going to be relatable to anyone ever again. Mm. Like if you stay like this and I was, I was blissing out, but it was like, if you stay like this, you're actually not going to be really, because there was also no need to talk. There was, it was wild. It was really, really wild. And if it hadn't happened to me, I would tell you, I would definitely question it. I'd be like, what? In an earlier time in my life, I'd be like, that's, that's not possible. You must've taken something. But the interesting thing about this was it wasn't just there. Like it didn't just, it wasn't just those two days. It then started to move into the way I lived my life. And this comes back to answering that question about these spontaneous changes was my consciousness was moved, was, was able to evolve so rapidly and understand things in different ways that then my form was starting to follow that. And it still happened. Like if you notice this, actually, you will notice this even in people. Like, for example, when we wake up in the morning and we've had that nice, you know, all that sleep and we've got some human growth hormone kicking in and we've got the serotonin pumping and like all these things, you will actually see physical differences in people. They actually talk also too about your, your, your taller, right? When you wake, when you get up in the morning, right? You're, you're, there's, there's been a reset. Okay. And we have these reset buttons within us. We have these ways of actually directing our consciousness more and more so, so that the form can start of start to represent what's happening there. Like, even if I look at a book and it's funny, cause I always say that's a snapshot of where my consciousness was then that's already very different from where it is now. If you let it be, if you're not taking out the same book and insisting that this is the way it is, you know, because that that is where we get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. So by by that, do you just mean that we try to be open to the possibility of things that we haven't allowed for before? For instance, um, I recently spent some time with a friend up in the San Juan Islands, and she has this beautiful house on the edge of this cliff that looks over the ocean. And it just really was delightful. And up to that point, that's not something I ever would have pictured for me. But because, you know, she's a dear friend and I get to be there with her for 10 days and we get to see and be a part of this. Suddenly, my imagination starts opening up and I start realizing, oh, 
what if I want this too? You know, where it, it wasn't, it wasn't a book I had pulled out or even thought of pulling out, but being there, I was like, Ooh, what if I could make this happen? And so in that, in that vein, when you're talking about removing boundaries and pulling out different books, are you talking about just the idea of comprehending bigger or different things for yourself that you haven't thought of before? And then with that, if we plug into the whole quantum theory thing, how does picturing something different that we want align with actually making that thing happen? Mm. Well, so in quantum, in, in quantum physics, you know, there's a, there's, this phenomenon called that's commonly called jokingly uh, by by physicists, uh, quantum physicists, a waveicle, right? And the idea is that a particle is a wave at the same time. It's a wave up until the point of observation, i.e., attention. So the moment you're putting your attention, or you see these scientists putting their attention on the quarks or the bosons, and or it changes, that is, and then it come, it flashes into existence. And then the minute their their attention is not there, it's it, it's it's gone again. Okay. So just by you being there and having your attention on this paradise and San Juan or wherever, right, is like, whoa, just like you said, this is possible. We open our awareness up to a possibility. Now, the tricky part comes when we say, how do I make that happen? <laughs> Rather than let me stay in this really kind of relaxed, like, whoa, that's, that's beautiful. There's something in there for me. There's something there that's, that's calling again, that evolutionary impulse is calling. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what that is, but what is, you know, just kind of like playfully relaxing with that, because here's the thing, and it's going to be so hard to hear. And actually I couldn't hear it for a really long time. I really couldn't, I could not hear this. I could not take it in. And if someone had said this to me, I would have been like, ah, I don't, they don't know what they're talking about, right? Um, there is this concept called Wu Wei, or sometimes it's referred to as Wei Wu Wei, which is um, basically not forcing. So we stop forcing. We're not trying to make anything happen. But then we what are, if it doesn't happen? We're, well, we're putting our attention, which is this very powerful resource. Again, the wavicle. We're putting our attention over here. And even if, again, if we get into neuroscience too, we know our operating systems are that way, right? So we softly put our attention there and then we allow the kind of like, I don't know if you've ever woke, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night or you wake up in the morning and you're like, I got to do that thing. Mm -hmm. I got to call this person. Yep. Uh I got to, whatever, you just get this intuitive, instinctive nudge, like there's something you got to do. That's what I'm talking about. If we just say, today, I'm actually not going to force, I'm going to be with whatever's in front of me. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm going to see to your point. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this, this, this beautiful gift, this evolutionary gift is like always available. It's always in front of me. And it could just be a smile from a stranger. I gave this talk for Mind Valley University. I was in Estonia last year. And, um, and the, the title of the talk was How to Transform Without Doing Anything. And there were so many people in the audience who were like, oh my God, I really got it. You know, or not so many, not so many, actually, there were only a few, but they were like, I got it. I got it. I got what you're talking about, about like not doing. I got it. I finally got it. And then there was, but there was this one woman, but it, this happened after, and there was this one woman who raised her hand at the end of the talk. And I gave her this whole talk and I brought in all the neuroscience and the, you know, epigenetics and all these things that I was explaining this, this same principle in these different fields. And, um, 
And this woman raises her hand. She says, oh, okay, I get it. I get everything you're saying. But what do I do? (laughs) I just was like, man, okay, okay, okay. I didn't catch that one. Didn't catch that one. But here's the thing. There's something that'll click at a certain point when we're ready for it. And it's just like, it. but when it clicks into place, it can't click back. And it does become this knowing like, oh, actually, I... I am, I am going to do, this form is going to continue to do. We're here to play, Lila. We're here, you know, we're here to play in the form, but we are the formless. And the more we wake into that, the more the doing is becomes very spontaneous. It happens through us as the result of who we've become and who we are. When you were in that space of having that download and having to take it to that greater understanding, I, I know with a lot of um, near-death experiences when people transition in that space that they have that same thing where you don't have to talk like you know you understand information is transmitted without words that's heard of in a number of different places but when you're there and just like realizing the higher level the wow this is where I'm at this is so joyful this is so beautiful why your choice to come out of that that is such a good question I I had a, my friend's daughter came into the room um, and she is not a very sociable, normally she's not all that sociable, but um, she sat down on the bed with me and her, her friend came in too. And they both sat down on the bed with me. They just wanted to be by me. And there was this part, this just really beautiful, gorgeous awareness in me that was like humanity, like bringing us back. And, and of course, obviously what was tremendous to me in that experience was even when I thought of my own daughter, I was like, I'm free. I'm free, finally free from like any kind of sensation of like guilt or you know, all these things that as a parent, we always feel like we should be doing more or anything like that. All of those, that, that's just the mental <laughs> uh, sure. yeah. ways we, we beat up on ourselves. And it was like, I was so free. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is, but there's, humanity, our children, our people, the people around us calling us back. And it was like, I really felt like giving me all these reasons to come back, like to actually stay in this form and the character. Okay. So how do we interrupt old patterns of thinking or limiting patterns of thinking? How do we interrupt that so that we can start entering a newer consciousness? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is one of the most difficult things to learn, but it is one of the most worthwhile things to learn. And that is how to think, you know, learning how to think. I always say the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich is one of the, one of the most sold books of all time. I think at one point I had heard it was the second after the Bible, but that might be incorrect, but it's super sold, right? So if it's all these people are buying it, how come everyone's not rich? At a certain point, I realized, oh, it's because there are two words that are inherent in that title, but they're not explicit. And they are learn to think. So most of us, we're having these thought impulses, which by the way, neuroscience doesn't even know the origin of, right? We can't point to a part of your brain like the prefrontal cortex and say, okay, thought originates there. This is where it's coming from. You know, let's shut it down people. Let's shut it down. We can't do that. So, I mean, I think they tried with some lobotomies back in the day, but we can't do that. 
So what happens is we receive these thought impulses. What we do know is that most of us are getting anywhere between 50 to 70,000 thought impulses a day. And for most people, those are the same thought impulses every day. So it's like we're holding on to that thought impulse. So when you first start learning to think, which by the way, and ultimately I decided to in some ways ditch, but it's also a very good thing to learn how to do. But it's you learn how to actively direct those thoughts and actively dismiss the ones that you're becoming aware of. Because most of the time we're not aware of it. And it's just like I said, we're pulling that book out and we're reading from this book, but we know it so well that we actually don't even need to pull the book out anymore. We forgot that it's a book and we forgot that it's only one book in an infinite library. So we know that book. It's like we, we, we've got the whole thing down. We've got it memorized. It's our book. It's us. So the moment you trip over into believing that you are the thought that's when the game is over. That's when you no longer believe that change is really possible for you. When you start to realize that you are not the thought impulse and you start to pay more attention to those thoughts, you can start to actively choose. Now, this is incredibly difficult at the beginning and most people will actually not undertake this practice or they will, but they'll give it up because it's very hard. Because here's the thing, you've been doing it all along. You know, we, we've all been doing it all along. We just weren't aware that we were doing it. We were choosing the thoughts and we were exercising our our will to focus on certain thoughts or to push away other thoughts, which is the same thing ultimately, versus saying, oh, I'm actually going to just let this wave roll on by. I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to create a whole sensation response in my body, which is a whole another conversation to get into. But anyway, uh, <laughs> another another episode. Um, we're, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to watch it just like I would watch the waves of an ocean and I wouldn't judge any of them. I'd just be like, oh, that's a thought impulse. It's an electrical impulse that just somehow I became aware of. And guess what? Uh, the next moment I can decide to become aware of another one and I can just watch that like the waves, you know? So the, again, incredibly arduous at the beginning, gets easier. And then when you do get some mastery over this, that's when you're like, holy moly, like these things that I was just thinking about, you know, you'll just be thinking about, and this is also diminishing the amount of thoughts you have. Because we think, oh, wow, that's so amazing. There's all these thought impulses, but that's actually highly distracting. And it creates a very fragmented uh, sense of, of your being and your, and even the way you go about a lot of the way we go about a lot of the things that we're doing day to day. So it's like, okay, I want to actually start to quiet those waters so that when I do put one in and I do decide, well, then that's going to ripple. I'm going to see the ripples of that. I'm going to actually have that then appear in my field. Things are either things, environment, your thoughts, et cetera. They're either enhancing your light or they're diminishing it. You say that life is happening for you. Let's end on this thought. Um, mm -hmm. This is an idea that I hope is true, but let me share an experience. So my um, my son's in his 20s and he's gone through a divorce that was very traumatic for him. There was some emotional abuse involved and he expected God to help out because he had a really tight relationship with God. And when God didn't show up to help out in a way that he could understand, he felt very betrayed by God. So he lost that part of his foundation. He let go of it. He doesn't think that God exists. So he also wanted to be an astronaut. He's the one in the aeronautical engineering. Um, but then he was diagnosed with leukemia and the military wouldn't allow him into the Air Force. So he's pretty young to be hit with the loss of so many crucial things that were very 
important to him. Everything, really, his belief in God, a marriage to a woman that he really loved, his health, the career that he desired. So he definitely does not feel like life is happening for him. How can this story be shifted to life is happening for you? And what does life is happening for you mean to you? Mm. Well, so actually I was quoting Jim Carrey on that because he gave this great commencement speech that I uh, highly recommend listening to or watching. Um, And he said, when I say life is working out for me or working for me, I don't actually know if that's true. I'm just believing to, I'm just choosing to believe that it's true so that I can get by in the best way possible. And if you look at a lot of other figures, like, for example, Oprah Winfrey, she has been attributed to saying, um, everything's rigged in my favor. And I love that. I actually put it up as a post-it for a while. I was like, yeah, I I want, I actually want to invest my... I want that belief system. (laughs) Yeah. And this has, and this you can see here has nothing to do with any of maybe the, because when we talk about God, it's very entrenched, right? And it's entrenched in a lot of different things. So it's hard to kind of maybe separate that from this trust that I'm talking about, this inherent trust that we do have to have a lot of times. But the last one I'll pull from is Einstein. He said something to the effect of uh, the most important decision we or choice we have to make in life is whether we live in a hostile universe or a friendly universe. And it is hard sometimes. It is so hard to choose to believe that we are living in a friendly universe. It is so hard to believe that wherever this is going, I'm choosing trust. And in those moments where everything feels like it's crumbling down, breaking apart, and I've been in lots of those moments, lots. I also went through a divorce. Um, I was married for 18 years, went through a divorce. So I had a lot of really very difficult things to process and to learn and to grow into as a result of that. And again, choosing over and over again, I'm going trust. I'm going trust. You know why? For no other reason than that it makes me feel better. It makes me feel better to say, I have no idea what's going on. And sometimes I'll have these really flippant conversations with God. I do. I have them. I I remember being even uh, recently, I do. It was like, I don't know, probably about six months ago. I was like, okay, God. I know it was more than that. It was probably about a year ago. I was like, I don't know why you brought me here. I don't know what this is about. I thought I knew, you know, where this is going, blah, blah, blah. And I was like having, literally having this conversation. And then again, I just relaxed and kind of laughed. And it allowed me to just be like, oh yeah, okay, trust. And boom, the minute I actually relaxed into that again, and I know I'm going on and on about it, but I tell you, it's like the one, it's like the one technique, it's not the thing. technique. <laughs> it's like the, it's the technique that's not a technique is like, I will get kind of goofy and I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'm going trust again. I'm going trust. And then boom, all these kind of what most people would regard as miracles or magical occurrences then start to spring up and I can see them real time. And then I'm putting more of my attention on that. And again, what we know about these operating systems, about our, especially about our, our brains, right? Is like I'm putting my attention on it. So I, that is actually creating the the particle where there was just a wave before. Uh, so for me, it's been like, oh, I just have to, I'm just going to keep choosing it. And uh, again, to quote from Jim Carrey's speech, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm riding that reset button. I just keep riding that reset button, you know? It's like, reset, okay, fine. Okay, now I choose again. Now I choose again. Ooh, boom, I fell asleep. Let me wake back up. But it is, it, it can be 
there are things and circumstances that that can make that very challenging, which means, again, uh, it means for me, when that's been the case, I'm like, I'm doubling down, like I'm doubling down, I am choosing this. And it's riding out that wave and knowing that there's, you know, there's going to be some floating after that lots of times. But yeah, that's the closest I can get to, to explaining what how I've how I've done that multiple times. Yeah, that's a great space to end on. I I feel like what I've taken today from this is, of course, this important need to relax. (laughs) But we, you know, we always talk about on Love Your Story, we choose our stories. We create our realities by the thoughts and the stories that we choose to generate and stay on. And so understanding that power is so huge. And what we've talked about today is a large part of that. You can choose the story of life is happening for you and you can reset that over and over. You can choose which stories that you're going to focus on, the limiting beliefs, the not limiting beliefs. You know, we're talking about it's a very active way of living and I have all sorts of work to do, but you've really given us some some beautiful things to think about. So tell us about your book. Give yourself permission. Be confident, be happy, be you by Courtney McDermott. Where can we find it? Uh, pretty much anywhere where books are sold. And yeah, I think there's that's my second book. I know the first book has also helped people when they were feeling like they were more in like the infant stages of of change. So and it's shorter read. They're they're both pretty quick reads. But, What's the name of the um, first one? Change starts within you. And the subtitle is Unlock the Confidence to Lead with Intuition. But when I talk about confidence and I talk about um, happy and I talk about those things, I'm not, it's not your typical brand of that. And I think it's important for people to check it out to see what I mean. But it's not like sometimes you're happy might not look like happy to everyone. It's not necessarily the picket fence and all the other things that it's really a deep seated piece. So, but yeah, you can find it pretty much everywhere. It's Courtney without a U. So when you type it in, even finding me on social, um, I, I like B O R T N E Y. Yeah. So Man. yeah, it's Courtney without a U, and uh, that's something to remember because I think if you type in Courtney with a U, it, it goes to I think a copywriter somewhere. Um, but that's not me. <laughs> so, Thank you so yeah. much for being on the show today. Do you have any final thoughts that we haven't talked about that you want to throw out there? Thank you. I really love talking to you. I love what you're doing in the world. I love everyone who listened to this episode because if you made it through this episode, it really means like you are invested in in yourself and in having a better life, but also for everyone around you. And I think that's kind of the most important thing we can do here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all my all my love. Thank you, Courtney. There is so much in Courtney's book. I've read the whole thing. Um she gets into in detail so much, so many of the things that we talked about here today. I'm going to go back and read it a second time because I think there's still more to pull out. I mean, for me, I'm, I really am in that infant stage. So I'm trying, I don't know what my blocks are. I, like I can read it and I can comprehend it, but I, I need to make it into the being of, of me. So I'm, I'm doing that work on it, but I hope you have heard some ideas that stick with you that you get to dig into a little deeper to give yourself permission for a fun and a playful creation of your best life like Courtney is teaching us about. So join us in two weeks for that episode we talked about at the beginning, the best of 2023. And in the meantime, keep living with intention. Thanks, people.